Good morning, church. It's good to see you and be with you this morning as we continue through uh, our gospel uh, that we are walking through, the gospel of Luke together. Uh, we get to this really iconic passage uh, in, in Luke 8, uh, and uh, James Frolic was telling me that when he was growing up at a church his, uh, that he attended, uh, his, this pastor preached on this, pa- this text and read this passage and then looked at, focused in on verse 35 where it says, the man was sitting at Jesus' feet dressed in his right mind, and, and the pastor said, there's just something about being dressed in your right mind. And he went on to preach this whole sermon about modesty. <laughs> That's not the direction we're going to take it uh, today. Uh, though, though, man, that'd be a great one. We'll save that one for later. Um, I, I think uh, hopefully a, a more uh, a focused um, and more look at this text. Um, t- to me, there's a, there's a verse later in Luke that sort of frames this text. And, and it's, it's uh, in, in Luke 19, uh, at the end of the story of uh, Zacchaeus, when Jesus meets Zacchaeus, we'll get there uh, later on. But at the end, Jesus says this, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. This is his mission. This is what he says. Here's why I'm here, to seek and save the lost. And, and this passage, our passage today, I think is a demonstration of that very truth, that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We're going to see uh, the sermon in kind of three movements today. First, a man possessed. A man possessed. Second, a man restored. And third, uh, a man sent. A man possessed, a man restored, and a man sent. Let's pray once more, and we'll dive in. Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we just got to sing, that though our sins are many, uh, your mercy is more, uh, that you have, you have lavished your mercy and your love and your compassion on us. That someone so good and so holy and so righteous uh, would look with love on us, would sacrifice himself for us so that we could be brought in. Um, we will never stop singing about that. We praise you. Would, you. would you now open our eyes? Would you open our minds to understand your word? Every barrier uh, in our hearts that, that we have to each of us, to, to hearing you, to really hearing you, to really understanding, to really obeying, um, to really internalizing uh, this, this message, your word, um, would you remove those barriers, tear them out, uh, get them out of the way so that we can hear and we can respond as you would have us. We trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. First, a man possessed. A man possessed. Uh, this is, uh, they've sailed across. We saw last week, they were in the boat with a storm. They've sailed across the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and this is the region of the Gerasenes, which is, Opposite Galilee, so this is kind of the south, uh, for you, it's the southeastern region of the Sea of Galilee across the sea. Uh, This is the region of the Decapolis or the Ten Cities, um, where, uh, and this was a largely Gentile region. Uh, We know this because of, partially because of the pigs. There's a herd of pigs, which, uh, you know, Jews could not eat or touch. And so this would have been a largely, primarily Gentile region of, uh, of the, the country. Um, and so it's, Jesus is really entering another world. He's, going, he's crossing over into a, an, an unclean area. There's a lot of uncleanness in this, uh, in this 
passage. There's the, the, the pigs, there's uh, the, the man, obviously, who's demon-possessed. There's also the tombs. He's in a place of the dead, which is not where Jews would want to be. And so uh, I think Luke is showing us where the mission of God is going, right? He's given us a, a, a foretaste of the mission of God and going beyond God's people Israel to God's people scattered abroad, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every people. Jesus goes across to meet this man, Right, and he does. When he gets out of the boat, it says that he, uh, he encountered uh, a demon-possessed man. I mean, we learn several things about this man uh, from, from this passage. We learn that he's, he's naked, right? He's not clothed. Um, I remember it being in, in, uh, in Istanbul at uh, one time and walking through the street and just seeing a homeless person on the side of the street naked, just laying there. Um, and, and just how disconcerting it was. Right? Seeing, seeing nakedness in that context, it just, it just was very disturbing. It's very inhuman. It's, very, it's not humane, right? It's, it's horrible. It's wrong. And this is what the demons have done to this man. They've taken away his humanity. They've made him something else. They've made him something of a monster. Right? He's naked. He's living among the tombs. And Mark, it tells us he was cutting himself with rocks and wailing among the tombs, right? He's, uh, he, he's, this is the stuff of nightmares. He's completely isolated, Right, he's alone, um, he's naked, he's, he's, he's in the tombs. Uh, it says later, it says in verse 29, he couldn't be bound. Right, so there, were, there weren't many mental health services, as you can imagine. So they would just try to control people, restrain people. Uh, but when, they've, when they chained him by his hands, by his feet, uh, he couldn't be chained. Right, he, he couldn't be held. Uh, he, he, uh, I remember being on a bus in high school, coming back from a basketball game, and there was a guy on our team who was a diabetic, um, and he would, get, he would get low blood sugar, right? And we, we were kind of aware of it, so we would know. So, you know, we were tapping him, hey, hey, are you okay? And he wasn't responding. It was clear he'd, he'd kind of gotten low. And so we were like, hey, we gotta, we gotta make him eat a granola bar. You know, we gotta get his blood sugar up. And so we started trying to, trying to give him a granola bar and he started resisting us. And I remember being, it was just me and one of my friends on one of his arms. You know, and this was not like a big guy. It was a normal sized guy. And we were both on one of his arms and we couldn't even control one of his arms, right? In this kind of, this, manic strength that he had, um, not knowing, you know, where he was. And, and so uh, if you can imagine that kind of strength that we can see in regular life, imagine this kind of strength, right, the, fueled by this demon that he can break any bond. No, no chain could hold him and he'd be driven out into, uh, into the tombs. Now, uh, it's clear that this guy, Jesus asked him, What's your name? And legion, he answers, because many demons had entered him. Okay, so it's not just one demon possessing this guy, it's many demons. We don't know how many legion, uh, is a a, a Roman, in a a Roman legion, there would have been around 6,000 soldiers. Some people think, well, there's probably about 6,000 demons in him. Um, We know from Mark, Mark tells us there's about 2,000 pigs in the herd of pigs. Some people think, well, it's about 2,000 demons. We don't know how many demons it was, but we know it was a lot. As many demons were in this man. And this is, I think, a man, uh, you can say, beyond human help. This is a man that, uh, like, there's no, rem- there's no remedy here. There's no path forward for a man like this. He's too far gone, totally beyond human help. And it's hard to imagine a worse situation than this. But J.C. Ryle, in his exposition of this text, it talked about, and I read this from him, I thought, this is so good. Don't we all know men and women who may not be physically possessed like this man, 
Right, but, but who are so under the influence of the evil one, so under the influence of Satan, that they are dangerous. They're a danger to themselves and others. They're isolated. They're uncontrollable. They seem to be beyond human help. These are people like 2 Timothy says, who have been captured by Satan to do his will. And I just want to point out, for this man who is beyond human help, what happened to him? Well, Jesus sailed across the lake and he came to him and he saved him. And Jesus can do that for, for the person you know as well, person beyond human help. And what can we do? We can pray. We can lift them up. We can, we can ask Jesus, Jesus, would you make the trip? Would you meet them where they are? Would you call them out? Would you call them home? This is where sin wants to take us to death, to the place of the grave, right? And Jesus can go there and he can, he can rescue, and he does. He came to seek and to save the lost, and we see that's what he does right here. Second, next, we see a man restored, a man restored. Verse 32, a large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demon begged him to permit them to enter the pigs. He gave them permission. The demons came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. These demons, they know who Jesus is. It's interesting that last week, the, the text ends with the disciples asking, who then is this man? Even the winds and the sea obey him. And the demon actually answers their question. He knows who, who they are, who, who Jesus is, right? You are the, what are you doing here, Jesus, son of the most high God? The demon knows who he is. And he says, don't torment me. Please don't torment me. Please don't throw me into the abyss where, where Satan and the demons are thrown at the end. Don't, throw, don't, don't put me there. Instead, let me go into the pigs. And just notice here the, the power dynamic. I think some people see kind of God and Satan, they see them sort of like, like Zeus and Hades from Greek mythology. You know, they're like two brothers and they're separated and the God of heaven, good one, and then the God of the underworld, the bad one, and they are trying to fighting and, you know, mischievous, trying to deceive each other. Um, just notice that's not the dynamic here. There's, there's thousands, maybe, thousands of demons versus Jesus. And there's not really a struggle. There's not a power struggle. What, what, did the, what does the demon say? Please, why are you here? Please don't, please don't send me to the abyss. There's, there's, just a, there's just demons groveling before the one who has power. A greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Jesus is, is the Lord. They know this. And Jesus gives them permission to go into the pigs. And so they do. And what a scene that must have been. What, 2,000 pigs rushing. How long did that take even for them to rush down the steep bank into the water? 
There's a lot of questions here. This is like, there's so many rabbit trails on this, this text that we could follow. Um, but, but, but suffice to say that there are a lot of demons. They're very destructive, right? They took the man uh, to the tombs, right? And they take these pigs to their death in the water. Demons are about death. We know Satan comes to steal, to kill, to destroy, and, and them, uh, the demons entering these pigs then running off the, off the cliff, this is a visible sign. It's a visible sign to the man. It's a visible sign to the community that, that something has changed, right? That he is delivered. This man has, has been set free. You can imagine this man was a terror. He was a terror of the, of the community. But everyone can see, wow, something has happened. And the crowd comes out the crowd comes out to meet Jesus and to see what has happened, what well, these things that have taken place. And here, I think you see two, two distinct responses to the presence and the work of God. Right, two responses. On the one hand, you, you see the man. They come out and they find the man, it says, seated at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. Okay, the, the one who, who was naked is now clothed. The one who was insane is now sane. He has his sanity. The one who was uncontrollable is now sitting at Jesus' feet learning. He's been restored. His humanity's been restored. His sanity's been restored. And, and, and this is faith. He's, he trusts Jesus. He's sitting as a disciple, the posture of a disciple, sitting at Jesus' feet, looking at him, learning from him. And Jesus restores this man's sanity and he restores our sanity. We were created to know and love and worship God. We were created to sit at Jesus' feet. But we go after so many other things and sin is always insanity. Why would we worship and serve created things rather than the creator? Why would we do things that only hurt us and others when we can do things that, that, uh, that are good for us and good for others and glorify God? All sin is insanity. But we will never be more sane, more human, more fully alive than we, when we are with Jesus, when there's no, we're without sin, right? we're completely free. That's when we'll be really us, we'll be really human, really who we're designed to be. Jesus restores this man's sanity and you see the response of faith from him. But, but the, the second response you see uh, is a response from the crowd. And you can see it at the end of 35. They see the man dressed in his right mind and the crowd, they were afraid. Meanwhile, 36, the eyewitness reported to them how the demon-possessed man was delivered. Then all the people of the, of the Gerasene region Ask him to leave them because they were gripped by great fear. So getting in the boat, he returned. The crowd, they're terrified. They're terrified. And some people think it's, it's the loss of income from the pigs, right? This would have been a lot of pigs. It would have cost a lot of money to replace these pigs. Um, they think that's kind of, but it doesn't say they were, they were angry. It says they were afraid. And some people think this is just, they're just afraid of what Jesus might do. Like, if you can do that, if you're that powerful, if you can cure with a word, someone we can't even control, what are you gonna do next? Just please, just please go away. They're scared. They push him away. And I think we can, we can be tempted to do the same. 
I think sometimes if, if, if God comes close, if he does something in our lives, if he, he prompts something, we, we feel the Holy Spirit telling us something, what are we sometimes tempted to do? Okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do that as long as, you can come near as long as you don't mess up my life. As long as kind of, I can keep going this way. As long as my, my comfort you know, stays intact. As long as my bank account doesn't have to be affected by this. As long as I don't have to change jobs or move or, uh, or do something different with my family. Like, like as long as you, you don't touch these things and, and I'm open to whatever you have to say. But if you get too close, then maybe just, maybe just go across the lake to the other side, a little safe distance from me. These, these, the, the crowd would rather go on with life as usual than to open themselves up to divine intervention. May, may we never be that way. May we always be open to what God has for us. And God save us from materialism, from comfort, from just wanting a nice, comfortable American life. We, we have to invite him in to every part of our lives. The, the demon-possessed man's faith, right, his conversion and, and, and salvation, it makes him sane. It makes him sane. But, but their fear, the crowd's fear, makes them insane. And, and they miss the opportunity of their lives. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is there in front of them. And they say, please go away. They could have said, come in, heal us, help us, show us, teach us. And they said, please go away. And they missed the opportunity of their lives. I hope we won't do the same. May we not miss God's work because we're too scared. Lastly, we see a man sent this is verse 38. The man from whom the demons had departed begged him earnestly to be with him. But he sent him away and said, go back to your home and tell all that God has done for you. And off he went, proclaiming throughout the town how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus is asked three things in this passage. Uh, he's asked by the, by the demons not to torment them, to send them into the pigs instead. And he says, yes. He's asked by the crowd to please leave. And he says, yes. He's asked by the, the demon-possessed man. He's, he's begged earnestly, please let me come with you. And he says, no. And the the demon-possessed man um, would not have had good relationships in town, most likely. Right? Who, who knows what family he had there, what, what, uh, what friends, what community, who knows what evils and crimes he had committed in his mania, right, in his possession. Like, who knows uh, all the, the harm and the damage that he had caused in this town that Jesus sends him back into. So why would Jesus say no? Why would he say, no, you can't come with me? Wouldn't it be good for the man? Wouldn't it be good for the man to be with Jesus? just for a little while, you know, to, to recover, to learn some stuff, to, to follow Jesus for a little while and then come back. Like, why, why couldn't that be the plan? And I think the answer is that Jesus had a mission for the man. 
Jesus had a mission for the man. I think an illustration that might, might help is you can imagine a general uh, waging war against guerrilla forces in, in a foreign nation. Right? You got, the general has forces there and is, is waging a war um, uh, against these guerrilla forces. And, and you can imagine in the same day, uh, that general negotiating with the enemy, like doing a prisoner exchange. You can imagine that general uh, conceding to go along with, with some request from the foreign nation. Hey, don't put troops in that area. And he said, okay, yes. But also rejecting a request for one of his men that they could go home. Okay, could I go home? He might say, no, you can't go home because we have a mission to accomplish. You see, Jesus had come to seek and to save the lost. And he did that with this man. He, he went over and he saved him. But, it, but Jesus' compassion didn't stop there. Right? Jesus had compassion on the crowds, the crowds that pushed him away. He, he, he wants them to hear. He wants them to know. And so he says, you're going to tell them. Go and tell them all that God's done for you. Now, it would be better for us, wouldn't it, if we were with Jesus? Like when, when Revelation 21 happens, when every tear has been wiped away, when pain and sorrow and fear and sin are no more, that's gonna be better. It's gonna be better to be face to face when our faith is sight. That's gonna be better. That's what we long for. That's what we're, that's what we're taught to, to long for, right? Come, Lord Jesus. Let the spirit and the bride say, come, we, as Christians, we live in this spot of wanting to be with him. It's gonna be better. It will be better. And so why? Why doesn't Jesus, when, when we're saved, why doesn't he beam us up? Why doesn't he take us to glory, free us from sin once for all, put us in his presence where we'll glorify him and honor him forever? I think it's because he has a mission for us. He has a mission for us. You see, he has compassion. He has compassion on us, yes. But his compassion doesn't end with us. His compassion moves out. It moves out to our families. Moves out to our neighbors. Moves out to our community. Moves out to our country. Moves out to our world. Right? Moves out to the unreached people around the world. The, the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have little or no access to the gospel. We know that his patience is for salvation. He waits because he desires them to be saved. And he's given us a mission. It's just like he says in Acts. Right? This is, Luke gives us this. Right? He gives us in 19 that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And then Luke also writes in Acts 1.8, uh, the words of Jesus, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This has always been the call of Jesus' followers, of his disciples, is that we are to go out. Wherever we are, we are to be his witnesses. We are to share with the world all that Jesus has done for us. 
And I think sometimes we think, man, that's just for like super Christians. You know, that's like, that's for missionaries. Yeah, I got that. But I'm just like a normal Christian, you know, and, and, and maybe you could, you could give me a lot of excuses. You know, we, we're really good at excuses. I mean, I just don't, I, what if, I just don't know enough. I just don't have enough knowledge. I, I don't, what if someone asked me a question about this topic? I just don't know what I would say. I don't know enough about the Bible. I haven't been a Christian for long enough. I don't have the background. I don't have, my personality is not very outgoing. You know, I, I, I just don't have a very good reputation at work, like among my colleagues. I just wouldn't go very well. So I just don't know that I could, God couldn't use me to speak to someone and lead them to him. And I really appreciate you bringing up those objections during this sermon uh, because uh, this, this man, I just think, blows them all up. Right? Because if you come to me and you say, Lawson, I just don't have enough, I just don't know enough. Like, well, this guy was, was with Jesus for two hours, maybe. You probably know more than him. Yeah, yeah, Lawson, I just don't have, I just, I just haven't been a Christian for, I've only been a Christian for like a year. He's been a Christian for how long? Two hours before Jesus sends him? Yeah, Lord, Lawson, you just don't know my reputation. I just wouldn't work for me. Like, well, is, is your reputation better than, hey, earlier today I was naked and living in the graveyard? I bet it is. If it's not, I would love to talk with you. Um, you can just go get the police officer and then come and talk to me afterward. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, right? No, no, listen, it, it, Jesus, this, this passage, this man, I think blows up all our excuses because any, any qualification to be a witness for Jesus that we think you need, <laughs> this man lacks it. Right? He doesn't even have a Bible. You know that? He was naked. Like, what do you think he had a Bible on him? When he, no, he's naked. And by the way, Jesus doesn't tell, tell him to say anything about the Bible. He says, go tell them what God has done for you. Any excuse you have, he has more. But Jesus says to him, go and tell all that God has done for you. And, and look at verse the end of 39, and off he went, proclaiming throughout the town how much Jesus had done for him. Right, he went off, and he did it. He did it. Right, he took the opportunity. Now, he could have been bitter. He could have been angry. He could have said, I can't do that. How could I? And he could have been angry at Jesus for making him stay, but that's not what he did. He said, okay. Yeah, this will be hard. Yeah, I don't, I don't know a lot. But you know what? That man saved me, and here's what he said, and so I'm going. I'm going, and, and, and we are the man, right? Aren't we the man? Right? Possessed by the devil. What does Ephesians 2 say? You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, the, the, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were all under Satan's rule. 
But God, being rich in mercy, because the great love with which he loved us, he saved us. He brought, we're restored. We're the man restored. We're brought into sanity. We're brought by grace through faith in Christ alone to know him, to have life. And we're sent out. We're sent out as witnesses to the ends of the earth. So what will you do? Or will you be like the crowds after hearing this? Would you just back up a little, Jesus? That's a little bit uncomfortable for me to, to think about that. You're infringing a little bit. Like, let's just go to the other side. Or will you be like the man? And off he went, proclaiming all that God had done for him. We all have a story. If you're a Christian, you have a story of God's mercy in your life. That's all you need. But it is difficult. It is difficult. Um, th- this week, uh, I, was, uh, I was in this, this room uh, for uh, a, a, uh, a dance um, uh, showcase. Right. This was uh, the Audrey Terrell does a little uh, dance uh, dance camp. As many, many of you were there too. We were there was a lot of us here, uh, right? For for our daughters during, in the summer, uh, and it's this great week where they learn scripture and they do crafts and they learn this this dance, this really worshipful dance. And then the showcase on Fridays that they do this kind of performance. And they show, show all the parents the dance. And it's so cute. You know, it's just the most amazing thing. Both my daughters were were in it, and. Uh, and just sitting there watching them, it was just, I just had so, it was just so wonderful and just so much joy and I just love it. Um, and I was thinking while I was watching them, um, I was thinking, man, this is kind of like the Christian life. You know, because all, all the girls are up here and they're, they're just do, they're doing a great job um, and it's, it's fun to watch them and they, they will, they will uh, you know, out of the, some of them more blatantly than others, but they're always watching Audrey. Audrey's in the back, the, you know, the teacher and she's dancing, she's doing the dance and they're imitating her, you know, they're doing all the, all the things. I won't try to do them, uh, just for, you're welcome. Uh, but, uh, but they're trying to do them, right? And Audrey, and Audrey dances just beautifully, right? She's just an amazing, uh, gifted dancer, and she dances beautifully. And they're all up here, and they're all doing wonderful, right? And they're it, it more or less successfully imitating her, you know? And I thought, that's kind of like the Christian life. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and he just does it beautifully in a way we never can, right? And we're all just kind of watching him, trying to imitate. We're trying to do it, you know? We're trying to love people. We're trying to share our story. We're trying to help. We're trying to be there for people. We're trying to pray for people, um, and more or less successfully per day, right? Am I the only one? I'm the only one. Good. Uh, perfect. Y- y'all are better than me, uh, right? But this is, what, this is the Christian life. And, and sitting there, Watching my girls, I'm uh, just, just filled with so much joy watching them and seeing their little faces and their hearts. And at one point, my four-year-old, like during the dance, you know, she's like looked at me and I was like, good job, you're doing great. And she smiled, you know. Uh, and, and, and I just felt a little nudge from, from the Holy Spirit um, that that is how God feels about us as he watches us, his children, Imitate him. 
I think we can, have a, we can have a really judgmental view of God. Like he's very judgmental toward us. Like he's, he's waiting for us to mess up. But he, you know, I, I wasn't feeling judgmental toward my daughters at all. They did awesome. They were just wonderful. They were perfect, right? I just loved it. I loved, I'm so proud of them. And, I, and as God watches us clumsily imitate him, right? Are we good at being witnesses? Like, do we, are we successful at this all the time? <laughs> no, like not even a little, right? But, but as we try, as we, as we seek him, as we pray, as we walk in obedience, he looks at our clumsy obedience and he's filled with what? Fatherly affection, compassion, love. He delights in his people, Isn't it amazing? It's amazing how he loves us in Christ. And it's amazing that he would invite us to to seek and save the lost, right? Jesus is still, he's still seeking and saving the lost and he's doing it through us. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus for your word, for this story. Thank you for reaching down and your mercy for making the trip, not only across that lake, but across the gulf between heaven and earth, coming to us, coming to seek and to save the lost. Lord, thank you that you, your compassion far, um, <laughs> far exceeds our compassion. And we pray, we ask for compassion. We ask for your heart for those lost and dying in our, in our families, in our neighborhoods, our coworkers, our friends. And we ask that you would use us, use our stumbling obedience our limited knowledge. Use us for your kingdom. Thank you that you love to and you want to. Lord, would you remind us of our own story, what you've brought us out of and the story that we have to tell. Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen.